Hey everybody, this is Gene Troyer. I'm the lead pastor of Restore Church. And what a pleasure it is to welcome you to our podcast. It's my hope that you will be marked by love and encouraged in your faith and inspired to become all God has created you to be. Now I invite you to lean in and enjoy the podcast. For the past couple of weeks, we've been in this collection of talks around change and... Uh, Change the good, the bad, and uh, the ugly. Can I get a witness, right? Yeah, 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 man, change. We started this, this collection of talks, and uh, Gene asked the question, week number one, who here likes change? Now, I wasn't exactly in the building that morning, morning so I don't know how we feel on change. Let me talk to online right now. People online, how do we feel about change? Whether you're watching this live, whether you're watching this on the replay, throw in the comments right now. Take time, throw in the comments. How do you like change? Do you like it? Give me a thumbs up. If you don't, give me a thumbs down. Thumbs up, thumbs down. Where are all my people in the house this morning? How we feel about change? Thumbs up, thumbs down. Come on, come on. Okay, kinda, kinda. Balcony, you're kinda with us. Thumb, eh, okay, Beth, you're giving me a, eh, not really sure. Yeah, yeah. Well, for me, for me, uh, I do. I, I really like change. I'll be honest with you, I do. And when I encounter change in my life, I know that somewhere in the near future, whether I like it or not, I'm probably going to learn from it, and I'm probably going to grow from it. Now, I don't always have that thought right at the beginning or when I experience the change, but I've learned my patterns over time that if I just step back if I step back, if I take my, my emotions out of the change, I can see that God is gonna do something pretty cool with it. And I believe that no matter where you're at in your faith journey with Jesus, that there's always room to grow, right? There's always room to grow. He's not done with us yet in, in our actions, in our thoughts, in our patterns of life. He's not done with us and that he's still revealing things to us even, I'm gonna say, even this morning, okay? And so, I do like change, but I'll be brutally honest with you. I, when I was thinking about, the, as I was prepping for this, I immediately thought back of how I go about change. Mom and dad are in the building, they probably, they're, they're gonna probably laugh because they know when I encounter change in my life that uh, weird things happen to me. In my conscious state of mind, I am, I am good with change, but when I close my eyes at night, when I say goodnight to those around me and I drift off to sleep, my body, on the other hand, <laughs> does some pretty weird and interesting things. Let me give an example, getting married to Krista. She, uh, obviously, love of my life, and uh, it's a big time, as you can imagine. Who here has been married? Raise your hands. You're, yeah, 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 right, yeah. It's a big moment. It's a big change in, in, in life, and picture with me our honeymoon in Cancun. We went to Cancun, Mexico, right? Okay, don't get too into it, okay? Just chill. <laughs> Good grief. We're all going to need counseling after this. 
But we stayed. I, I, I had to look up where we stayed. We stayed at the Great Parnassus Resort in Cancun. The Great Parnassus. It's same? <laughs> oh, my gosh. Really? Have we talked about this? I think we have. Okay, yeah, it's, it's coming back to me now. Okay, all right. All right, so picture with me. We're at this resort. We're on our honeymoon. And it was one of the first nights. Both of us drifted off to sleep somewhere during that first night, you know, Jordan sleeping beside somebody of the opposite sex and, you know, just all of that. It's a big change. Somewhere in the middle of that night, Krista wakes up to my arm being flung over her. And you might think, well, Jordan just tosses and turns as, as, as he sleeps. And that's kind of true. But, you know, I don't throw the occasional arm just out of nowhere as I sleep. No, no, no. She wakes up to basically me holding her down, telling her that there is a fire in our suite. Now, again, she's never laid beside a person of the opposite sex. So you can imagine what she's sensing. She, she probably trusts me in this moment and starts probably freaking out. And I asked her, I was like, do you remember this? And she's like, oh, yes. There was a legit fire in our hotel room suite. Now, she's off hanging out in the, over in the lounge. Hi, baby. She, you, you know I'm going to say this. But she would stand here and tell you that there was no fire in our room. That, that everything was a-okay. It was just my body reacting to the change that was going on. Let, let, see, I thought it was life or death on the 14th floor of the Great Parnassus, but no, 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 it sure, it sure wasn't. Again, I have no clue, can't remember really an ounce of this story. I blame my parents not, forgiving, or not giving Krista a heads up how I deal with change when I go to sleep. Another one is like the... Second or third night of, of this incredible stay, just being all in love and we're tired and, you know, you can, don't picture. But she goes, or she, Krista says she, she heard a noise and so she, I'm sure she kind of leans over and is like, hey, babe, I'm not there. I'm not beside her. She, the noise was actually coming from me over in the corner of the hotel room, putting on my pants, telling her that, babe, we got to get ready because Bobby's coming over. Bobby is coming over to our hotel room and we have to get ready. Oh, uh, Bobby was a close family friend of ours and I just like, I'm here to tell you that nope, Bobby was not coming over to our hotel room at 3 a.m. in the morning. He was not anywhere near us. <laughs> oh, but again, change I'm cool with, but not how my body processes it, or at least Krista would say. Uh, there's more stories to my change that I ain't going to go into right now. But I love what Pastor Gene said week one. In the span of a lifetime, change is inevitable. And how true is that, right? Like, Think about all the things that you've experienced in the last, let's just say, five years, okay? Think about five years for you. A lot has changed in my life. I've got two little boys now, both in school, that are, are dealing with, like, like, one of them I'm having to put deodorant on and all this type of stuff. Like, change is among us. But if you think back for you in, in five years, a lot has probably happened in your life. Like, 
Some of you have gotten married. Some of you have brought little ones into this world. Other of us uh, have, um, we've started jobs, right? We've maybe switched jobs and then we, I mean, honestly, we probably switch jobs again, right? Can I get a witness on that? <laughs> Some of us have um, maybe stepped into our passion, uh, been on trips, have bought in homes, like all the good stuff. But, you know, I'm remiss to not talk about the other side of what change can bring in, the, in those rough times, those times where we're not sure, the times where, man, we We've said goodbye to loved ones. We've lost loved ones. We have gotten those uh, test results back, Gene, that you weren't ever expecting for your life. Um, maybe you've lost friend groups. Maybe your friend group has changed. Maybe some, you know, like maybe your partner in, in this life, maybe you've moved on from them. And now we're, li we're left living in the wake of the changes that's been brought onto our lives. And for the most part, I'm good with change, but my goodness, can change be hard sometimes? See, I, I, I think back, there's like a lot of processing that goes on in change. There's a lot of wondering, like what will the future look like as a result of this change, trying to figure out all the unknowns. And honestly, if I'm being real with you, that I try to control as much of that situation, try to control as much of that change as I possibly can. And I don't know where this morning you sit with change in your life, but I, what I do know is this, all of us, including myself this morning, that God is, is with us in all of our changes. That he's here, that he's waiting, that we can approach these moments in our lives with the hope, with the confidence, with the trust that, that God is going to do something in us and through us from these changes. That we can approach these moments with, with hope that we're probably not gonna see the big picture right away. As we encounter change, we might not see the big reveal that God has for us right in that initial moment. That's why in this final weekend, I wanna talk, I wanna look at and prepare ourselves. How, like, how do we train ourselves for these big moments in our lives, the, the, the waves of change in our lives? How do we prepare? How can we get ready? How do we have a foundation? How do we build godly habits into our lives before, before we encounter the change that is so inevitable to come? Those circumstances that you're facing, the situations that may come your way, if you're gonna be strong in the middle of those, you've gotta be ready. You have to prepare, you have to train, to have routines in your life that you can lean on that will sustain you when the waves of change come. See, I grew up playing baseball. You're probably thinking, like, why in the world is there a baseball bat on stage? I grew up playing baseball. And um, for me, it's been a part of my whole entire life, but I had to really think back on, on my first day's playing baseball, like the, like the rookie league, the little league, and all of that. And, and I was thinking back, and even still throughout my, my career, let's say, I, uh, I had a real problem 
with approaching that moment of walking up to the batter's box, coming out of the dugout, walking up to the batter's box, and feeling the weight of that moment. The team, let's just say, is leaning on me. We need to get a base hit. Jordan, you need to make contact. You need to bring that runner in. And so the weight of that moment as I approach the batter's box, you know what, what I would do? I, I don't have a cordless mic now, so just, just watch me for a sec. Here's what I would do. I would... I would start to like tighten up. I would get tense. And, and immediately when I did that, I was hindering myself from the success that I so desired. Because if you know anything about baseball, you know that even the littlest nuances of the sport, the, the training, the prep, can make all the impact towards what's about to come. And when I would tighten my hands around the handle of the bat, what I was doing, I was hindering myself for the success that I so deeply desired. I had a bad habit of tightening up and not lining my knuckles up. I had a bad habit of over-tightening and not lining my knuckles up. And then as I would walk up to the batter's box so worried, so uptight, wanting to get a hit, wanting to get on base, I, would, I can remember coaches telling me over the course of time, Jordan, hey, hey, Jordan, wait, wait, wait. Look at your hands. Check your hands, check your position, line up your knuckles. And what they, what they were doing was reminding me to check my position, to check my hands. So when practices would come, I, I started a habit. I wanted to correct this, and so I simply would start, as, as I would walk up to batting practice, I would simply pick up the bat off the ground, and I would immediately put my hands around the bat exactly how they should be. I would line up my knuckles, and then I would loosen my grip, and I would do it again. I would line up my knuckles again, loosen my grip. Again, I'm not even in the batter's box yet. As I'm walking up, I'm, I'm, I'm lining up my knuckles, forming a habit, because it was the littlest thing in the whole entire process of swinging a bat that proved to be the most pivotal. And I think it's the same thing for our lives that God is reminding us that we need to prepare ourselves. That one small habit can align us and give us a foundation that we so desperately need even before the change comes. That we're putting routines and practices into our daily living. But I want to ask us, are we seeing the benefits from it though? Like, are these the best things that we are doing with our lives? These routines, these habits, these patterns. Putting these things in our lives and they can either bring us closer to God, draw us near towards Christ, or are we putting things in our lives that is actually hindering us from being in step with him? We're gonna open up to 1 Timothy. Do you have your Bibles this morning? 1 Timothy chapter four. That was not just a question to be silent. Do we have our Bibles this morning? Yes, thank you, thank you. 1 Timothy chapter four. We're gonna look, look in verse seven. If you don't have your Bible, we'll pray for you after service. It will be on the screen. No worries, it's all good. The Apostle Paul is writing his young pastor friend, Timothy, and he uses this athletic language, this athletic imagery to tell us that we must 
discipline ourselves in a godly life. Here's what, here's what he says in verse seven. Have nothing to do with godless myths and old wives' tales. I had to slow down because I would say that earlier and it's like I, my speech, I like a speech impediment. It was weird. Have nothing to do with godless myths and old wives' tales. In order to change your habits, you, you've got to change your mind. And, and if you've been listening to some old folklore, legends, whatever, maybe hand-me-downs from mom and dad or grandpa and grandma, no, 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 no. God is asking us rather to, here's what it says, continuing on in verse 7, to train yourself, train yourself to be godly. Another translation says it this way, exercise yourself toward in pursuit of godliness. See, back in Paul's time, ancient Greek and Roman culture of, of his day put a high value on physical exercise. Some of you might think like, ugh, yuck, right? But Paul tells Timothy, just like the same work and commitment that others put to their physical exercise, the same should be put towards the pursuit of godliness, to pursue godliness in our lives as followers of Jesus. See, in, in order to do that, we have to understand what godliness is. Let's start by looking at what it is, and godliness isn't simply religion and traditions. Religion is, is the act of going through these spiritual motions without any real transformation or change coming from the inside of us. That's religion. The word godliness comes from an old English, English word. It's God's likeness. It means to have the character and the attitude of God. And so to train for godliness, the training is found, get this, the training is found in a lifestyle that reflects the awareness of God. Paul is saying to Timothy that godliness is possible when a person operates with a, conscious, a consciousness of God's ever-present reality in their life and then makes a choice to have a lifestyle that agrees with God. He goes on in verse eight, it says, for physical training is of some value, but godliness has value. What's it say? Come on, help me out. What's it say? For all things, holding a promise for both the present life and the life to come. Paul's explaining here that the value of godliness, it makes life better now. That we shouldn't hesitate to believe in it, to trust in it, to do it, and to tell people about it, to have a pursuit of it. At the same time, godliness is, is the only guarantee of a profitable life for the life that is to come. That there are many pleasures and achievements that we try to go after in this world that don't even pretend to offer anything for the life that is to come. Like, think about it. Sins offer absolutely nothing for the life to come. Where do you come from? Who your family is offers nothing for the life to come. Worldly success and wealth has nothing to do with the life to come. Personal fame and beauty offer nothing for the life to come. Achievements and all of our learnings 
Don't hold anything for the life to come. And I'm here to tell you that training in godliness does not make this life the most comfortable. Pursuing godliness doesn't mean it's gonna be the most richest or pleasurable or easiest, but it undeniably makes it the best, most fulfilling life that you and I can live. And he ends verse nine by saying, this is a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. See, in order to, to pursue, to, to, to uh, start in this journey of godliness, you have to take inventory. We have to take inventory of where we are at. I wanna tell you that some of us have routines in life that aren't built upon godliness. We spend a lifetime developing habits in our lives and patterns of wrong thinking, wrong attitudes, wrong behaviors. And if we're honest with ourselves, you would probably say to any one of us, well, you don't like what you're getting out of your life right now. We don't like the way our relationships flow. We don't like how our body looks. 2022, I'm coming for you, Summer. Just wait. We don't like how we always feel empty or we go from this thing to that thing. We don't like what we're producing. And the problem, the problem is in our patterns. Let's change our patterns, those things that we, that we know that we should break because some of us are trained and, and built some wrong thinking in our lives. And that's the whole point this morning is breaking the bad in our lives. That some of us are trained with the lies of the enemy. Jordan, you're never gonna amount to anything. Jordan, you're never gonna get through this situation. Jordan, there's nothing good for you on the other side of this moment. Your life will never be the same. You can't break those until you start putting truth inside of you. You can't change your relationships if you don't start loving others. You can't change the way your, your career is going unless you change your work ethic. Get up in the morning. Be productive. Don't stay up so late. You can't change your wisdom unless you change your input. And it's time to break those. Ultimately, it comes down to this. You do the things because your brain senses that there's some kind of reward associated in that bad habit. I was reading an article as I was studying for this that it's called The Power of the Habit. And the key to breaking harmful patterns in our lives is by understanding that our habits are simply cues to us that are followed by a routine that we live out. And then there's a reward that we attach to that routine and so if we do that, we can, can control our behavior. So breaking a habit is all about our mindsets in this. You have to sp stop putting so much stock in the reward and realize that there's even a greater reward coming from abstaining, not following through with whatever pattern you are used to. It's time to break those. Stop getting caught in this negative cycle because that's how these bad habits, these bad patterns in our life, it, it, it's, it's cyclical. It just keeps going round and round and round and round and round and round. We keep finding ourselves there. Real quick, these aren't gonna be on the screen or any, but if you're taking notes here, here's, here's 
Do some more study on this. I'm not gonna go into it fully today, but number one, how to break a bad habit. Identify the habit. Identify your trigger, number two. Change the trigger. Like if you're always having a hard time picking up your phone in, in a conversation, change the trigger. Leave the phone in the car. Put it in another room. If you're at the dining room table, put it away. Be with the kids. That, uh, man, if that ever spoke to anybody, that's for me. Jeez. Number four, substitute a habit. Replace the bad with the good. And can I pause this morning? Changes come that we get in these patterns of our life. I want to speak some truth into you real quick. Romans 8.31 says this, God is for us. Romans 8.28, he works all things, he, he works for our good in all things. Psalms 118.6 says, the Lord is on my side, I will not be afraid. Isaiah 41.10 says, do not fear for I am with you, declares the Lord. Do not be afraid for I am the Lord your God. I will strengthen you. I will surely help you. I will uphold you with my right hand of righteousness. Jeremiah 29, 11, we all know this, and it drives me nuts because most of the time people misquote it. It says, for, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you, not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. And God's response is, it's not to provide this immediate escape from whatever situation we find ourselves in. No, 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 no. God promises that he has a plan to prosper us in the midst of that circumstance. That he can work it, work through it to prosper us and to give us a hope in the future. And I believe that we can be a people that are trained up, that has right thinking and positioned well in our lives that we don't get overturned for when the change does come because it's not when the change comes, it's, well, no, 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 no. It's not if the change comes, but when the change comes, right? We know it's coming, that when we confront change in our lives, when the crisis hits, when the thoughts come, things are never gonna be the same again, that we've developed a posture in Christ that we've developed a stance, a position that is fully dependent upon God. I wanna show you a powerful example of a guy who had a habit. If you have your Bibles still, I don't know why they went anywhere, but if you have your Bibles, flip over to Daniel chapter six. We're gonna go back to the Old Testament now. We're gonna show you an example of a guy who had a powerful habit in his life, one habit that helped shape him to become the person that God wanted him to become. His name is Daniel. You might know Daniel by, by his, uh, his event in his life, Daniel in the Lions. Come on, Daniel in the Lions. Den. Yeah, good, good, good. It's pretty crazy that he had the faith to stand down lions and come away from it unscathed. But I want to bring us back to this moment. What's really impressive is that his story, this story says that there were 120 young leaders who stood out in the nation. And of these 120 leaders, Daniel stood out among them having exceptional qualities. And here's what it says in Daniel chapter 6, verse 3. It says, now Daniel so distinguished himself among the administrators and the satraps by his exceptional qualities that the king planned to set him over the whole kingdom. You might ask, well, Okay, of like, there were 120 other people. How in the world did Daniel stand out? What, what made him who he was? Sure, he might have had a, a spirit of excellence. Sure, he might have had great leadership gifts. Maybe he was 
good relationally. We don't know exactly what it was, but there was something in Daniel's life that caused him to stand out. He became popular with the king, and he was going to get promoted, but you know this. Anytime you have a rise in success, you're going to have some haters around you. You're going to have some enemies built up around you. And so these enemies wanted to try to take him down, and they were looking for any kind of weakness in Daniel. Verse 4 says this. At this, the administrators and the satraps tried to find grounds for charges against Daniel and his conduct of, uh, conduct of governmental affairs. But they were unable to do so. They could find no corruption in him because he was trustworthy, neither corrupt nor negligent. See, his haters, his enemies wanted to trip him up. And they couldn't find any flaw or weakness within Daniel. So here's what they, they, they knew of his relationship with God and they thought that's how we go after Daniel. That's how we try to knock him off. So what they did, they tricked the king into issuing a decree that basically said if, if anyone prays to anyone except the king in the next 30 days, well, we're gonna have them thrown into the lion's den. Daniel, who was so distinguished among the 120 top leaders, he was the one to rise to the top. He's the one that stood out. Well, what was it that made him who he was? And I would say it was one small habit that over time shaped his identity and gave him the confidence to be everything that God created him to be. Look in verse 10 with me. Now when Daniel learned that the decree had been published, he went home to the upstairs room where the windows opened to Jerusalem. Three times a day he got down on his knees and prayed, giving thanks to his God. Don't miss it, don't miss it. Just as he had done before. What did Daniel do? Daniel lived a habit, one small discipline in his life that you would have thought, man, this could have set him over. This change, this, this pursuit of his enemies could have toppled him, but he lived one small discipline. Never underestimate what God can do with one small step. I think God has been working on me. He's been trying to get my attention this past week of what are my habits? And I can tell you, and I'll be real with you, this message speaks to me as maybe as much as it's speaking to you, that when I take the walls down to my life, I've built some questionable patterns in my life. I've been pretty stressed out lately and Believing that I can control things, it must be because I'm 34 years old and in my old age, you know, like. But God is calling me to, to better patterns, better routines. I want to remind you, just as Paul reminded Timothy, to train yourself in godliness because it has the power to do something here in the now, but also in our future for the life to come. Two, two habits as we're going to end on this morning. God was speaking to me, and I'm sure there are way more habits to put into your life. And the point today is, these might speak to you, these might not speak to you. I, I'm not really sure, but what I do know is that my prayer is that each and every one of us have a conversation with God. Ask him to reveal the wrong patterns, the wrong routines, the wrong habits in our lives, and be like, hey God, 
Help me replace it with something of you. I'm not saying all of the, add all these in and you're going to be good. I'm not a doctor saying take one, one of these and life is going to be incredible. No, no, no. But I do think that having that conversation with God will propel us forward to, to build these things into our lives, to withstand the change that, that is probably going to come in our lives. Number one, if you're taking notes, write this down. What if we were a people that gave thanks? I didn't say read your Bible, I didn't say pray, I didn't say worship, listen to worship songs. All those are good. What if we were people that gave thanks before the change, during the change, after the change? First Thessal- Thessalonians 5, starting in verse 16, it says, Rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances. He's not saying He's not saying, Paul's not saying here that we need to give thanks in, in him, but he's saying, he's saying, oh, no, 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 I'm sorry, for, he's, he's not saying for the circumstance, but he's saying in the circumstances that we give thanks to God. That I can give thanks in all circumstances because I wanna tell you, God, God is found in each and every one of those moments. God is found in them, even the difficult ones. I'm discovering that giving thanks to God in, in all circumstances creates a security and a hope and a foundation that I so desperately need in my life. What if we became a community that gave thanks? What would your family life look like? What would your work life look like? Number two, this is a good one. Be present. You want to pursue godliness? Give thanks. Be present to the world around you because I know for me that I can get so caught up with whatever the future change is coming that I focus on it, I think about it, I get my blinders on, and that's all that I can see. But God has put me in that very moment, whatever it looks like in that very moment, to be present to his Holy Spirit that I just might be the one in that moment that needs to say a word, that needs to receive a word, but I'm so preoccupied for what's about to come, and the enemy wants nothing more than to get you and I distracted. What if we were a people that were present in every aspect of our lives? I believe giving thanks, being present, those are the things that if we take hold of, that God is gonna honor them and that if we build that foundation that we don't have to get overturned by what's coming up next. I believe if we train, if we prepare ourselves to be present in the moments for the change to come, that we can be more aware of God's direction in our lives. Would you stand with me this morning? I believe God is asking all of us to take the blinders off of our lives to look at our patterns, look at our routines, and to be real. My hope and prayer is that you leave here today and you have the conversation with God that as we end this four-week conversation on change, that it's you and God right after this. God, reveal to me the things that I need to break. Reveal to me the things, God, that I need to bring into my life. What's one small act that you can bring in your life? Because change in coming is coming. And I want to tell you, 
I really believe if change is coming, that it's gonna be okay. Let's be prepared. Let's not push it off. Let's not leave it for tomorrow. Let's start to prepare today. And when change comes, I know that I don't have to be worked up about it because I've put habits in my life back here. And I've said that this is true for my life right here, right now. So when change comes way up here, I'm prepared, I'm ready. I have a foundation. I know where to stand. I know my position in Christ. That's my prayer for you all. My prayer for your families, for this community, for our city. That when we're confronted with change, that if we get our minds on Christ, that we give thanks, that we're present in the moment, that our thoughts and our actions will focus on Jesus and that we can see that he can do. <laughs> he can use us in those moments. Let's pray, God, thank you. Thank you for revealing this to me this morning. God, I don't know where this has landed with people, but God, I do know you're working on the inside of me. God, and if this is for anybody, it's for me. God, this, here's my wrong. God, take it. Help me be a person that can, that can push away the triggers. God, and I just want to step into your goodness. God, I want to be more like you. Jesus, help me. Help us, God. Help us, God. Amen. Thanks for joining us for today's episode. Please rate and review us on Spotify and iTunes and join us again for next week's podcast. We love you and pray blessing and peace over you and your family. Thank <laughs> you.